So um, I'll just give a quick little summary of where, you know, so kind of setting the stage. So we're taking um, from an essay that Michael Sorkin wrote about 250 things that an architect should know. Uh, we're taking and taking a few of these and just kind of highlighting them. And he had three piece, three um, statements about glass. One was uh, the insulating properties of glass. The next one was the history of its production and use. And then the third one was of its meaning. And uh, so I think, you know, we don't have to talk about all of those, but I think it's just the idea of glass and maybe, maybe we can have some tips on understanding what makes glass so important. And I think what attracted me in the first was your real-time control building number three or RTC um, 03. And uh, I know that it isn't a brand new building, but it's an exciting building in Edmonton. And I think what's personally really exciting about it is that it's a, piece of water infrastructure that manages stormwater um, runoff and yet it's designed and uh, this exterior skin is kind of sheathed in a whole series of glass blocks so could we start with just the idea of what was attractive about using glass blocks or glass bricks for the exterior of that building why design it in such that way yeah well I mean I mean as you pointed out it's an infrastructure building so those are often overlooked um, as pieces of architecture or pieces of important architecture that really shape our city. So, um, you know, we have an example of one in Toronto that everybody loves, which is the R.C. Harris filtration plant, which is, you know, a spectacular building. You know, it's been a site of novels and all sorts of stuff. And then, and, and, and I think um, in Edmonton, you have the... Um, the plant that's right down the Rossmore plant is mm. kind of a fine building, also older. So there was a time, I guess, just going back, there was a time when municipalities did consider uh, investing in their infrastructure buildings. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all, it's been of interest for us for a long, I mean, we've had the opportunity with the RTC building, which was great. And we're also doing a stormwater building here in Toronto. So, mm. um, you know, you know, uh, politicians and, and, and people um, in um, uh, that are, you know, procure, you know, in places of procurement for buildings are sort of seeing these buildings as, as, as opportunities. And I think, you know, Edmonton certainly looks at all of their build, their civic, their archive of civic buildings with, with uh, discern. Anyway, right. I, yeah. Well, and you've done a few buildings in Edmonton, which are, you know, like the Borden Park Natural Swimming Pool is last yeah. year, maybe, or even the year before. So it's, you know, this pattern of, in, of investing in civic in infrastructure seems to be continuing in Edmonton, which is great. So uh, having said that, though, it's still a building that has a, you know, a small building, you know, has a kind of tight budget. I mean, a, you know, a modest budget. Mm -hmm. and. Um, so we really, the way that we started thinking about that building was um, one, that it actually, that we could telegraph what was going on below grade, above grade. Mm. That's where the circular shape comes from because it is really representative of the kind of shaft below. Mm -hmm. And actually what you might not have seen, and difficult to unless you're sort of looking down at the ground, there's two or three other minor shafts that are connected by tunnels below that have been, we've actually incorporated those shapes into the paving pattern um, of, the, of the, the landscape that surrounds the building. So those are sort of that kind of telegraphing 
up to the surface, what's happening below is a kind of important interpretive kind of idea mm -hmm. about the building. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the, the glass block, we started by thinking, how could, what is a material that, that everybody has used that is commonplace, but we can use it in a new way? Mm -hmm. because, and actually, it's interesting, I think glass block came to mind because just driving around Edmonton, you can still see a lot of it that was used. It was quite common and quite popular in the 80s, I think, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's architects my generation that have sworn off glass block and would never use it again, kind of, right? Because it was so overused. And everybody had a glass block window in their house when they did mm -hmm. a renovation. Is that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Kitchen um, backsplash. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but it has a lot of uh, qualities that are interesting. So interesting. So we thought that we could develop by using glass block that we could kind of develop a double skin. You're interested in what what looking through a typical. We started. We did many many tests. What a typical glass block has, which it has that kind of mottled surface a little bit, mm -hmm. and you can sort of see through it. So we thought if we took the glass block and we made a plenum between the glass block and a, like a cavity, and then the real structure of the building, we could start to get some interesting visual effects mm. through the glass block and through beyond. So faceting the light in a sense. Yeah. Then. So we worked with that for quite a while and didn't come up with anything too successful, but then found this glass block that um, is actually, the, the design of it is originated in Italy, which is, um, it's a kind of, it's got a sandblasted surface to it. It's got a fritted surface, right? Mm -hmm. So it's got that kind of ghosty white, but more importantly, it is actually a glass that has a low iron. Most glass has a lot of iron in it, mm. and it is it is the iron that gives it a green tinge. Hmm. So when you think of sort of like not very, um, like when you look at a crystal glass, it looks very clear and, and white. And a kind of cheaper glass, you'll see it on the edge, it'll have a kind of greenish look. Mm -hmm. So this particular glass block has no iron in it. It's called a low iron. So it has that kind of perfect whitish, soft quality that we thought was would be particularly beautiful because at night if we lit it in behind it would be kind of diaphanous mm. and had that sort of very very soft glow right um, so that that's kind of how we got the glass block was mm -hmm. find something that's economical use it in a new way and then through just a lot of research and r d we kind of stumbled on this particular one and then then the thing that makes it so radically different obviously is the fact that we rotated it to be on a 45 mm -hmm. it's rotated that way and that um then again sort of really takes it away from the kind of normative what we remember as the sort of typical glass block mm -hmm. well and if we think about the history of glass blocks and i i don't know if this goes to the beginning of the glass block but i was um reminded of the glass pavilion that bruno tout did for the um, german book bond Mm -hmm. um, exhibition in 1914 and that building I think only lasted a couple of years but it was a very remarkable building at its time for the use of glass blocks and so right. when I saw you building I was like oh that's amazing. <laughs> well yeah I mean I mean can you imagine it was radical when they were invented right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. kind of uh, 
you know, radically changed um, uh, the way that we think of, of building envelopes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, to take something that's a usual surface for for a different purpose, such as on the on the floor plane, and turning it up onto the wall surface is very innovative use of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was um, that's the sort of yeah. Yeah. So can we talk about the Borden Park Pavilion because this is also in Edmonton? It was maybe a couple of years earlier that you completed that project. And I'm not sure if it qualifies as glass. It's kind of a glazed curtain wall system and it's um, interesting triangulated kind of inverted pattern going around this diameter. Um, and I wanted how, like, is there anything about transparency or is it a glass curtain wall in a different way or how do you approach that surface? How do you, how do you see that from an architectural perspective? Yeah, well, that's got a, that's got actually even a bit more history to it than than the RTC building. So, just as a starting point, uh, um, you know, glass can actually be a sealed unit, an insulated sealed unit, can be something that's actually quite hard, quite reflective, and and kind of very dark. Like if you actually, most people think, oh, a glass building it's translucent, it's transparent, you can see in. But if you actually observe it, any building during the day, walking down Jasper Avenue, um, any of the modern buildings, when you look up at a window or curtain wall, it really appears kind of quite black during the day. Mm -hmm. um, so our idea for the Borden Pavilion, um, and I've actually always struggled with that, tried to make, you know, work with glazed units that are a little softer and a little bit more friendly than that hard black reflective look. Mm -hmm. So um, when we entered the the Borden Park Pavilion was a was a, a national competition, and our idea for that building again it's circular and it's just pure coincidence. The circle circular form of the pavilion really comes from the picturesque tradition of the of the park, which is a kind of series of axial walkways and curvilinear paths, you know, it's mm -hmm. that kind of fusion of the classical and the picturesque. Mm -hmm. And often the picturesque ends up in these sort of what's called our circuses, right? So you find that geometric pattern in the park, mm -hmm. you find that geometric pattern in some of the past park pavilions, where there was a carousel actually in Borden Park mm -hmm. many, many years ago, like in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. um, even the band shell that's there right now has a kind of circular form. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a kind of you know history of that there's a, a, a bit of history in, in the park that was the sort of generator of that form, and the generator of that form is also comes from the idea of play and engaging people and the park pavilion being something that is more about engaging people than most architecture does today. Mm -hmm. anyway, we started that project with an with a a kind of sustainability agenda, which would mean that we chose a low iron glass, again, a, a glass that you can really see through, um, and, um, and that would be very transparent during the day because of that, and it would have no coatings on it, which would, which are the coatings are the things that make the glass from the outside look very dark. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then we did it, we proposed a geothermal heating system um during winter and then we had a really very effective sort of uh, ventilation system 
through the stack effect that would ventilate the building during the summer. The idea being that if the glass had no treatment, that we would rely solely on solar heat gain. Edmonton is a very sunny city during the winter months. And that the heat would really, we'd only have to really rely on the heat at the end of the day. And we would also be very efficient because it would be geothermal. So the idea of the building was all glass, faceted glass, same sort of triangulated wood structure and all of that, but that you would always be able to see into the building. Mm -hmm. Really promoting the idea of, of, of solar, of, of using the sun as a way of managing the kind of interior environment of the building. And that's quite interesting because often one thinks of solar loss or the fact that glass isn't quite as insulating as a harder surface. Yeah, and so you're turning that around a little bit and using yeah. it in a different way. Yeah, completely. And um, we never really had the chance to see if that was effective because we, we tendered that project and it was, too, you know, it was too expensive. We couldn't build it. The geothermal kicked us over the top. Starfire glass is too expensive. So there were a number of things. So we had to kind of re regroup, keep the kind of basic concept of the building, but figure out how to deal with the envelope in a consistent way. So no geothermal, back to a kind of a more conventional heating system. We continued with no cooling and, and using natural passive ventilation in the building, but we really needed to think about the envelope differently. So that building has a reflective coating on it glass and whereas most reflective coatings so think of an insulated unit it's got two panes of glass and a cavity in between um, so we all so what we refer to in glass technology is there are four sides to the, to the, to the unit each piece each pane has two sides normally that reflective coating is put on surface number two, surface number one being the one that's on the outside. Mm -hmm. And that tends to make the glass go black or black. Like it is a little bit reflective, but not super. Mm -hmm. So we chose to put, with again, a lot of research to make sure that it couldn't be scratched and that it would, that it would survive okay. We took that reflective coating and put it on surface number one. Mm -hmm. So that's why it looks so mirrored during mm -hmm. the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that, that actually, like it all, all the stars sort of mostly aligned with that decision. Um, so it, some days it, it really changes um, depending on the season. So in the summer, the building looks, when you're up close to it, it's quite reflective of the trees around it. It can be really quite green on some days and really dissolve into the park. Some days it does have a kind of really dark look, but it depends on where, what you're viewing it from. So through the day, as the sun passes over the building, and then obviously through the seasons, it, it kind of, it really does change a fair bit. And then of course it changes absolutely radically at night because mm -hmm. it becomes a lantern at night. You can see right into it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the, the best result, which I wasn't really aware of, is the kind of the absolute extremely different experience during the day of viewing the building from the outside, as opposed to being in the building and viewing the park from the inside. Mm -hmm. And the inside is completely, it is, it is what everybody expects glass to be, completely transparent, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting because we have, we follow a lot of our projects online to sort of see what people's, you know, people love to post photos. 
which there's some good ones of Borden Pavilion, actually of RTC as well, where you'll see a, um, a couple of photographs where people are right up their noses, right up against the glass wall, looking in to try and understand what's going on on the inside. Oh. And then a few, we've got a few of kids playing on the inside, kind of hanging off the Kulam timbers on the inside, you know, and where you see it kind of completely open. So it's kind of, it really does engage people that way. Yeah, I think that's when you know when the building's working, when you've got nose prints on the glass. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's all, it's all, it's, you know, it's, it's all about kind of observation and spending the time um, kind of observing how these assemblies we put together as architects, mm -hmm. how they perform and, and, you know, not just the perform their technical performance, but, you know, visually, right? Yeah. Well, and that, that's interesting because when one thinks about insulating properties of glass, you think about performance just on the solely, mm -hmm. how warm is it or how does it re retain energy? Mm -hmm. but it, we don't often think like, well, actually, there's also performance about aesthetics or experiential performance. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, obviously, I didn't need to really state it, but by the time you put that really super reflective coating on the surface number one, it means that absolutely all solar is refracted back out. Right, right, right. yeah. So, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I have a feeling we could probably talk a lot longer about glass properties but this has been a really amazing introduction and a start um, and I want to thank you for bringing up the concepts really about reflection and transparency how there you know there's many different ways to observe glass mm -hmm. it, it's a very interesting topic and I think those two buildings they just deal with them in such completely different, different ways, ways.